The legislative session is wrapped up in Albany with a flurry of final bills passing. So what does it all mean for New York farmers? We'll talk about that today on News Bites. Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm Steve Ammerman, New York Farm Bureau's Director of Communications. New York legislature wrapped up its business and went home last week after nearly six months of work at the Capitol. As always, a lot of bills wait till the final days to be debated and voted on, and that included several that will have a direct impact on farmers if the governor should sign them. To break it all down, we're joined today by New York Farm Bureau's Director of Public Policy, Jeff Williams. So Jeff, session has wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Lawmakers have gone home for Thank- a year. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> no more work to be done there, at least as we know right now. School just wrapped up as well. So I thought, let's start off. If you had to give this legislative session a grade, what grade would you give it? I don't think you can sum it up into one grade because there's really two seasons of legislative session. You know, the first couple of months are all about the state budget. And now we're talking about a $200 billion state budget. And then that was done late this year. So then we had six, seven weeks at the most to try to cram hundreds of 869 bills past both houses this session. So give or take a few bills. And, and so they had to cram a lot of legislation in at the end. And that's why the assembly had to come back. They went late and then had to come back for a couple of days afterwards as well. So long story short, I'm going to give them two grades. I would say budget-wise, B plus, A minus. I mean, we did have see a minimum wage increase enacted in the budget, but it's relatively minor. I said the guy who doesn't pay people but still relatively minor, you know, going up to $16 or so over three years. We were originally looking at, you know, $21.50 an hour. So that is add-on overtime on farms. Uh, and then you think about what that would do to the AWER rate for H-2A workers. That would be really catastrophic. And I think upstate members of both the Senate and the Assembly, you know, really weighed in with that. I think the governor played a large, I know the governor played a large part in moderating that increase because she was concerned about small businesses like farms. So that, that was good, but still it increased, but that's certainly offset by, you know, a landmark agricultural tax program that was enacted, the refundable investment tax credit. You know, we have been lobbying for that tax credit for decades, you know, saying and making the case that, that farms, this will spur farm investment. Because twenty percent of anything you put into your into your infrastructure and your farm, you're going to get back in your taxes. You know, if you don't have a taxable liability, you're going to get that money back in a check. So it's really designed to prime the pump for farm investment. You know, given everything else, minimum wage, farm overtime, things like that. Some will argue it's a little bit too little, too late, but it's really designed to help farmers better compete here in New York and and, and modernize their their infrastructure. And overall, the budget, you know, most of the programs they go to support our farms, whether it's in the marketing side, research for cows at Cornell, other programs, was pretty much on target with what it's been as well, which was good. Yeah. Yeah. And the only real change is that we've seen a trend over the past couple of years where the governor puts in a lot more money in their or his executive budget proposal for agriculture for those programs that, that you mentioned before we had scraped by. Uh, trying to raise all the money through the legislature, through the Senate and the Assembly, adding money in. 
we didn't have to do this here. It was almost, almost like it was on autopilot. You know, we had some other concerns we needed that, you know, make sure we're funded, like extra money for NITAM, for, for example, and some extra, extra staff, you know, at Cornell and then the labor and workforce development section. But by and large, it was, only, no, it wasn't autopilot because I know the Senate and Assembly chairs worked really hard on it. But, but you know, it was, it's been easier. This, it was easier this year than many years before. And certainly going forward, and no doubt our, our farms and, and Farm Bureau will continue to make the case on, on the minimum wage, especially as it's tied to inflation and, and the impacts that that could have further down the road, other ways that state potentially could, could mitigate those impacts. Agreed. I mean, we already have a tax credit just for farms, again, that, you know, helps pay for increases in minimum wage that happened in the past. I'm sure that'll be on the radar for future years. So you gave the budget A minus, B plus. Looking yeah. at the end of session, what kind mm-hmm. of grade would you give it? Blah. Is that a grade? <laughs> C plus, maybe C. They, they, there were some bills that they passed that we worked really hard to oppose. For example, the ban on neonicotinoid seed treatments. That, was, that's, that bill has been around forever, well, forever, for at least three or four years, but it really came to a head this year. And despite really strong lobbying by not only Farm Bureau's public policy staff, but all of our members who showed up in, at our lobby day in, in, you know, virtual meetings. We even went to New York City to talk about that issue with legislators. And we have a big coalition of other farm partners. And you made a very strong case, I feel, that if you get rid of seed treatments, then farmers are going to be forced to go back to using what they used 25 years ago. And that's not good for the environment. So getting rid of seed treatments to help the environment isn't a particularly good argument. So that, 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 that was a, a, a big hit because DEC is the one who should be regulating those products, you know, like any other pesticide. You know, EPA does the same thing to have two sponsors of the bill, both from Manhattan. You know, pushing that bill and passing it is, is sort of a slap in the face to agriculture and certainly to DEC and their regulatory authorities. So that, 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 that one stings a bit. We're working really, strong, really closely with the governor's office to get them all the information they need to make a knowledgeable decision when it comes to vetoing or signing the bill. So the, we're making a full court press on that. So that's, that, that was the big one. I mean, there was some other, you know, b- bills that we support that the past and a lot, both, both of them dealt deal with solar. One is studying agrivoltaics, which is basically dual siting of agriculture in solar, large scale sonar solar panels. Because if we can do the both at the same time and keep the farmland in production, that's best case scenario, for, especially for a farmer. And the, the other bill that, that passed would give, you know, locals, local governments, local communities, it, including farmers, the ability to better assess solar siting in their, in their towns and their communities with an eye toward, in some cases, toward agriculture. So, I mean, everyone is so concerned about loss of farmland to large-scale solar because it's not coming back for at least 30 years, if, if ever. So we want to make sure we, you know, we continue to protect our food supply and our farmers' ability to, to, to grow, you know, the products they grow. Yeah. I mean, some farms have even leased land that they're losing out to solar development. So it, you know, and taking yeah. a stronger look at that is, is definitely going to be very helpful for a farm. Yeah. I, you know, you said that absolutely correctly. Definitely. A couple other bills that may not have received as much of a tent 
as much attention, but still will have impacts for farms. One is a pesticide ban on wetlands. Another is, is regulating what are called sea streams, almost like a, a state version of, of what we went through with the EPA and the Clean Water Act and, and regu- regulating additional waterways beyond the, the more traditional ones. And these have been vetoed in the past, and I'm sure we'll be continuing to, to advocate for a veto again this year on these bills. Absolutely. I mean, it's just sort of banging your head against the wall on an annual basis, right? Now, the C-stream bill has been vetoed at least twice. Basically, it would, you know, have, you know, mandate DEC have to permit a whole lot more drainage work and ditch work, not just for farms, but for towns and municipalities. These when you clear their ditches, it would, you know, increase permit time by six months and, you know, six to nine months just to get the permits. And so, and these aren't streams that are, you know, particularly beneficial <laughs> to the, the state of New York. And, and so, you know, this, this would be the third veto. And we certainly hope and, you know, pretty much expect it to be vetoed because all the same reasons it was vetoed for two years should, should still hold account to, yeah. today. And the same with applications of pesticides in wetlands. And that goes back to what we talked about with the neonicotinoid neonicotinoid bill that that, that's a dec issue you know it's not a town issue to decide who can who or where people can spray pesticides especially if they're in critical you know critical areas and and so it's we're hoping again for a veto but it's just so silly slash frustrating that keep passing these bills and even though they've been summarily panned by at least well by two governors well and it's still important for the governor to hear from our members on these issues and what do you recommend our members do to reach out to the governor's office when it comes to to asking for a veto yeah it, 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 that kind of grassroots action is what farm Bureau really noted for and, and it is listened to by the governor's office and the governor herself they they definitely count how many letters come in from people and so we have a you know and i'm i'm hoping many people who are listening to this know this already but we have a program on our website, we call it eLobby, but you can basically log in, uh, put your name and address, and they'll be able, you can send an automatic letter to the governor asking her to veto the neonic bill. And we'll, we're working on a couple others exactly that we, the two bills that we just mentioned. So those will be up as well. So it's www.nyfb.org.org. Uh, you can click on the link there to eLobby. Very good. Well, now session is out of the way. Now there's some great things to look forward to this summer for New York Farm Bureau. One of those being the New York Farm Bureau Agricultural Summit, which we coming up on August 8th. And you have a a big hand in in putting that together. What can farmers and our members expect at this great event? You know, we're building off our first event last year for agricultural leaders to, to, to come and learn more about looking forward, looking into the future. I think, I think across any industry, especially in New York, you know, people tend to look backward and say, wow, wasn't that great? We, you know, if it only were like that. And this conference this, this year is more about looking forward and planning for the future with strategic planning in mind. And so we've, we've crafted the, the day and it's going to be a really good day with three panels and one speaker who will kick it off on strategic planning and what that means and how strategic, how important strategic planning is for any business, but certainly farms in this business environment. His name is Mike Carter, and he is the vice president for strategic development or strategic thinking for Nationwide Insurance, our insurance partner. He's really, really good. 
And then we're going to build out for three panels and help people start thinking about strategic planning for workforce and you know, who to hire, how to hire, and who is the next generation or the next you know, talent pool for, to work on farms. And it's more going to be a surprise because it's not just going to be the same old, same old, you know, Cornell skill, you know, Morrisville. It's people who go graduate from John Bowne High School because they have the largest FFA program in the state in Queens. It's going to be people, it's going to be uh, processors who have apprenticeship programs. And so the idea is to get people to start thinking more and planning for the next generation of workforce. Then we're going to have a, a great program on marketing and marketing trends and how to capture those trends for your, for your business. And we have a great panel there. I mean, hopefully we're having a surprise on that one. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spill it yet. And then we're going to, we're going to have a panel of legislators, state senators. Right now we have Senator Mannion from the Syracuse area, who's a Democrat in the Senate Majority Conference, and Senator George Perello from Western New York, who's the ranking member of the Agriculture Committee in the Senate. We're still going to get one or two more panelists from the Senate, and that's going to be strategic planning for advocacy, because you can sit in your workshop, your kitchen, wherever you, you game plan these things and game plan out a year or three or five years about what you can do for your farm. But as we can see from this conversation, you know, your business plan is majorly impacted by decisions made in Albany and Washington, D.C. So this, this panel will be about how to have those tough conversations with legislators that don't have farms in their districts, you know, how to talk about pesticides, how to talk about lead. So what are the tips that those senators do use to, to connect with their colleagues on those issues and try to use those and learn more about that from, from our perspective so we can use those as well. And the goal is to send every member home with, you know, the kernel of a strategic plan for each of those things and then the tools to build those out to use in a practical environment. So it's going to be a really cool day. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. And, you know, that, uh, we've seen a lot of the panels taking shape. And there's also going to be an opportunity for attendees to network each other, to sit around the table and have discussions, you know, after these panelists, after they hear this, to, to try and, you know, spit all their ideas and, and learn from each other, you know, not just from the panelists, but from the other t attendees as well. Yeah, that was something we started last year. And I think that was the biggest hit of the whole conference is, you know, after each panel to have 15, 20 minutes to sit around and talk get everyone's reaction at your table to what was said and then build off that. So uh, you're absolutely right. It's going to be a great day. So that's coming up on August 8th in Syracuse. And if people register before July 14th, that's 69 bucks, early bird special, 79 afterwards for some of your members. And Otherwise known as a steal. That's right. And you can find information on our website or you can go to summit dot nyfb.org again summit s-u-m-m-i-t dot nyfb.org and you'll get all the information there as well as how to register so we look forward to meeting everybody there and jeff thank you so much for your time and i know more big things to come over the course of, of the rest of the year and then of course you'll start right back up again in january with session yep exactly and we're gonna take a little bit of downtime and then get rolling again as a reminder, New York Farm Bureau takes positions in support or opposition of bills based on member-approved public policy. 
Each year, our 52 county farm bureaus kick off the policy development process in the fall. This is where they bring up issues of concern or an idea that they have that could benefit all of New York agriculture. And then they vote on it at their county meetings, which will then make their way on up to our state annual meeting in December. That's where delegates will vote on the policy positions, yay or nay, and we'll set the policy for the next year. So it really is a true grassroots process that reflects the will of our New York Farm Bureau members. Thanks so much for joining us today on News Bites. We hope you liked this conversation. And if you did, please find and review our podcast wherever you listen to it. And also give a shout out to Seth Moser Katz for editing today's edition. Until next time, make sure to thank a farmer for all that they do.